Welcome to the Human Design and Astrology for a New Paradigm podcast with your host, Heather Mann. Hello, my friends. Yes, I have been as organized as anything and I'm recording this uh, on Saturday, the 27th of June before I go away, leaving on Monday or going to plan um, so that, yeah, I could get it get this July forecast out and ready for you guys before July starts. Um, and as I record this, you've got Mars just hovering around those last few seconds of Pisces before it shifts into Aries and we start that new Mars cycle. Um, and I guess by the time you're listening to this, that would have happened. So that's exciting. Um, Although, yeah, I'm not 100% sure yet still if I will be going camping while you listen to this or not. The Victorian government is sort of teetering around the edges of putting us on a hard lockdown yet again. So I'm leaving it to the literally the last minute to book any campsites just in case like on Sunday night they're, you know, oh, from tomorrow you cannot travel around the state again. Um... But I'm pretty sure we'll be able to just like within the state. It's lucky that we hadn't um, planned to go into New South Wales, like the state above us, because even though our state border is technically open, most New South Wales hotels and food places just don't seem to be very welcoming to us to Victorians this school holidays because we have had a little bit of a surge in cases over over the last week or two. Um, whereas the rest of Australia just hasn't, it's really just been Victoria. So that was our original plan too, to go in and camp at the South coast, New South Wales, small towns that have been, you know, that were torn apart, like burnt to the ground by bushfires back in January and support the small towns that really do depend on tourism to get by. So honestly, how was those bushfires still this year? I cannot believe that was 2020 as well. Like I remember um, in February, people coming home like to where I used to live, um, people who'd been holidaying in the places uh, sort of around the border, Victoria, New South Wales, where it was really bad. Um, That's like a popular holiday spot for Victorians. Um, And yeah, them coming down and, you know, they were literally just crying over how terrifying and devastating it was, like literally being trapped for weeks with no electricity, no idea if anyone else knew you were in there while bushfires were actually visible from your window. Like this year has just been so traumatising to humans. Um, And really lately, like I've just been getting a little bit overwhelmed by it all. Um, But it's those moments that I try and like – just think and remember the strength of the human spirit, like how much we have overcome and how much we will overcome. Um, it's hard because, yeah, again, like I've reached this place where I don't want to deny the the awful, the the traumatizing truths of the situation we're in um, and the situation we face too, but I'm ready to focus on a good outcome. And like, you can roll your eyes at that. I definitely would have rolled my eyes at someone saying that a week or so ago too, but I just feel ready. Like I will go more into that, but as we get into the forecast, but yeah, I'm still overwhelmed by everything and apprehensive and just so angry about certain things too. Like I have been looking at this, like that the last three months had seen 
one of the, if not the largest redistribution of wealth in recorded history with now more than more than 7% of Australians unemployed and this getting up to like 2 million people unemployed out of our only 25 million people population. Um, I read an article just this morning that said that a man had been fired from his job because he lived in one of the suburbs which saw like this this um, surge in coronavirus cases, like he was fired for no reason other than that, um, which is complete discrimination. Um, and, it, you know, we just have to remember that that number of people, that 2 million people, like that it's more than just a number, just a stat, like this number is people just like you and me who now can't afford to feed themselves, who a few months ago were doing just fine, like who've lost their businesses, who've lost their livelihoods. And with that, like, you know, that loss of dignity that can come with that. Um, and that unemployment rate is going up more and more every day right now. And all this, while the world's five richest billionaires, like I'm sure you guys have seen this statistic, like the world's five richest billionaires increased their combined wealth by 26% or $101 billion um, over that same three-month period. Like, this is just so far from okay and I can't even begin to comprehend. Like this is this is it. Like this is why I get so overwhelmed when I start to think about this. Like I know you guys can't comprehend this too, how a person who could single-handedly end poverty, aka Mr. Jeff Bezos, can sit there and just not do anything about it and see these statistics and see them as literally just numbers on a page and not people who you know have no idea how they're gonna, you know, they're skipping meals, like it's crazy. It is absolutely mind-boggling. And the reason that we can't understand it is that we have compassion and empathy. We have humanity, something that, you know, seems to be sorely lacking from those people. And I don't, I can't feel sorry for him as a human anymore for lacking that empathy because, you know, I'm kind of really starting to doubt his humanity at all. Like how you can look at that and still do what you do and just be sitting there like uh, it absolutely boggles my mind and this rest re redistribution of wealth is actually a perfect real world well you know like a kind of horrifying and disappointing real world example but still it is a good astrology example of the Pluto and Jupiter conjunction um, the conjunctions that are a theme of 2020 and we do have the second of three conjunctions coming up in July. So I'm going to get back to that in a minute because I just did want to finish this point. So even though I do feel that daily heartbreak about all the pain and the suffering and the fear that people are being subjected to daily, like daily, minutely, um, hourly, like not just about illness, but about how you're going to eat or feed your family or get back on your feet or what's going to happen next. Like I've just reached this point. This is what I was saying before. Like I've reached this point where I really do see a better future. Like I feel it. Um, so I'm actually trying to look for love and positives in a world where we've really only shown the negatives on the media. And when I think forward um, to think about a future where we think and we feel we feel for one another rather than turn against one another. Like that, that like holding a vision of love um, as we come out of 2020, as opposed to the freaky, like unconnected, devastated society that I can also envision. Um, 
and that we're kind of starting to live in now. Like if I do get sucked into the fear uh, on both sides, that that's what we're living in. And, you know, again, like roll, roll your eyes, like it sounds so light and fluffy, but to hold a vision of potential fair and loving future where everybody, every single person in every single country feels safe and has enough to eat and loves each other before we argue with each other or even while we argue with each other. Like it just feels pretty radical and it is tricky right now. Like it's not my natural way of thinking. It's not anyways natural way of thinking, Um, but it does feel revolutionary. Like if we all, every single one of us listening, just held that vision in our hearts of the world that we want and even started like this is the biggest part, like start looking for the love and the heart that's present all around us instead of just noticing the fear, like imagine that that power, like imagine then if all of us just taught one other person that trick too and then it went on, like because you can see the heart in the fear, like when you look into it deep enough and this is basically what I've been trying to do is that within every uh, warning, every news broadcast that seems to only be full of, you know, more and more bad news essentially. Like if you look deep enough into that, you can see there's somebody there, like a human there who just wants to protect you, who wants to keep you safe, who wants to keep themselves safe, who wants to keep their family and their community safe. So there is actually love present in every, like every single argument, every single piece of terrifying news that we get told. Um, and these are the themes of cancer. Yeah. So we're getting in deeper into cancer season right now. Um, cancer wants to protect what's theirs. Cancer is loving and so warm, so like gooey, but, and sensitive, but they have a tough outer crab shell and that crab shell can be used to keep everybody out or it can be used to be just a super discerning about what is good for, good for us, good for our communities and what's not, you know, and to keep that wall between what's good and what's not. Um, and so you can be discerning about the news you take in, the information you take in, but you can actually spot the deep, deep love that is sometimes quite deeply hidden within all the fear that's floating around. Like people want to protect each other because pe- people are inherently so full of love, so full of heart, um, it's so cheesy and said to death, like without any actual meaning behind it, but we are seeing this truth in full effect right now. Like that truth is available to be seen. Um, the sign of cancer, like it's, it's the mother, the extremely protective mother. Like this is not, when I say mother, it's not like specifically a woman or a man. This is like the vicious feminine who will fight and scratch and kick to protect her babies. So can we just keep in mind that whatever anybody says or whatever they do over the next few weeks and months, uh, as who knows what's going to come next, happens and unfolds that at the heart of people's words, whatever they are, is just like this deep, deep burning desire to protect and nurture themselves, their children, our collective children, like the children of the world, our earth, like nature, um, communities, whatever is in their heart that they are willing to fight tooth and nail to protect. And sometimes that does come out as a crabby attack on you. Um, Every single one of us has this cancer archetype somewhere in our chart, somewhere within us. So we all have the willingness to attack or to create fear 
out of a desire to protect what we love. So that, I guess, is the essence of what I'm doing now, like this sort of looking looking for love. Like whenever I start to feel overwhelmed by all the fear and desolation, I try and find the heart within it. Um, just, you know, because I'm ready to like power the vision of the future, uh, the new present, the new normal, you know, to steal the mainstream media's favorite 2020 slogan, but this is not their new normal, but the, the new normal that I want to see for us as a collective human family. Um, yeah, so that being said, now we can get back to the Pluto and Jupiter conjunction because I said I would explain it a bit better. And so Jupiter and Pluto will be, you know, um, in conjunction three times in 2020. So it really is one of the major themes for this year. Um, we had the first one on April 4th. Uh, the second one will be the 1st of July or the 30th of June, depending on where you live in the world. And the finale on November 13th. So this is a yearly theme um, again, and we are we're here for our second installment coming up. Um, yeah, 30th of June, 1st of July. The reason I said it was a great representation of what's happening to the world's wealth. Okay, so Pluto represents death and destruction. It is a powerful universal collective energy. So the world as we know it has more or less come under destruction this year, like death and devastation. Definitely. Uh, but here it meets Jupiter in the side of Capricorn. Um, Jupiter expands things, makes things bigger, makes things more abundant. Capricorn is a lot of things, um, but when we look at it on a collective scale, it can really be seen to represent the systems at the top that rule over the rest of us. Um, so the top 1% of billionaires, as a result of the death and destruction of the rest of us, have increased, grown, amplified their wealth, that Jupiter thing, in a, you know, phenomenal way when we really do think about it. And this has been going on since the start of pandemic or the start of the pandemic or that first April conjunction of Pluto and Jupiter. But now these two planets are in retrograde. So now the information about this and I guess some of the outrage about it too is coming out like it's being revealed what was brushed over just a few months ago is now coming under that fine tooth comb of the retrograde cycles. Like why did family run stores have to close a lot of them permanently because they couldn't afford to stay open? Um, while Kmart, Target, Big W, etc., they got to stay open. So who determined uh, what's been essential and what's not at this time and what were their financial stakes in the matter? This is not a conspiracy. This is in the mainstream, though, of course, it has been brushed over a bit too much there. Uh, and this is not okay. Like, you deserve to feel a little fiery Mars in Aries outrage about this. Like, these five people, I know I said this before, but they can feed the world. They can if we put billions of dollars into making the technology to put people into space, then I'm sorry, but we can create technology to feed the world. It makes literally no sense to me. And this is starting to be more spoken about right now as we approach this second conjunction. Um, but 
you know, I encourage you to truly take the time you need to feel the outrage over this because it's absolutely ridiculous to think about. Like, even if you are fine and your work hasn't been affected or your income hasn't been affected, like, again, those numbers that we see in the newspaper, they're not just numbers. So they're people. So we can feel angry for them. Um, Australians, oh, yeah, and this is the other thing other news article that I was like what um Australians who took money out of their own like their own superannuation accounts to make just to make ends meet during the hard lockdown when we couldn't really leave our houses at all uh they're now going to be fined if it's found out that they didn't actually reduce their income by as much as it was required to be able to extract money from your superannuation so there was no like check on your reduction on income at the time, you could just, if you needed, take a little bit of money out of your superannuation or like your your retirement fund, essentially. So now they're coming out and saying, oh, actually, you'll be fined if we discover you hadn't actually reduced your income enough. So fine for just trying to survive for using literally your own retirement account money that is yours. Like the wealth on this planet just makes no sense for anybody with a heart, I feel. And yet here we are. Um, okay. So I spoke a lot about Mars in Aries. So this is of course another big theme of July, but I spoke about that a lot in the mid-year forecast that I did a couple of weeks ago. So I won't go too deep into it now. Um, but this is the one thing I will say, give yourself a healthy outlet for anger. However it works for you, like the more we can express and release the anger and maybe that sense of futility as it comes up over the next couple of months, potentially the easier our Ra- Mars, well, not Mars, Mars retrograde experience might just feel. So it's like, okay, an analogy. It's like recycling. Like if you sort through and don't take your bin out for two months while the bins are being collected, you're going to have a lot of built up stuff to sort through while the bins aren't getting collected, which would be the retrograde. Does that make sense? Or is that possibly the most nonsensical analogy I've ever used on here. So ignore that. Um, I'm not good at analogies, but yes, Mars moved into Aries on the 27th or 28th of June. So it would have happened while you're listening to this. Um, The very interesting second half of 2020 is here. So again, just channel that anger as passion to create rather than to destroy wherever possible. So I guess that's, you know, the theme of what I'm trying to do based on what I said at the top of the episode. All right. Um, What else? So we also have the last eclipse in this mid-year eclipse series. Um, And it's a lunar or a full moon eclipse in Capricorn at 13 degrees of Capricorn. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, no, that is the degree. Um, okay, so this is the absolute last eclipse in the Cancer and Capricorn polarity, uh, which we've been experiencing since 2018. Like, it's the finale. Um, what themes surrounding Cancer and Capricorn areas of your chart have you been going through since 2018? Clearly, as a collective, we've had an intense couple of years. Um, the North Node in Cancer has seen a revolution more or less in our attitude to the role of the feminine in society and in ourselves as well. Um, And emotions too, like emotions is a big theme of cancer. So emotional, um, emotional healing. So cancer in the North node 
Uh, it's been such a big topic over the past couple of years, but I feel like, you know, it's interesting these last few months since the nodes have moved signs into Gemini and Sagittarius, that seems to have shifted a little. Like the focus is not so much on emotional clearing and healing as it was for like two years. Um, not that it's not still important, but I don't feel like there's much of a, as much of a, you know, I must do this now energy surrounding it. Um, and yes, cancer is like an empathic, emotional, intuitive. And this theme has been more and more, I feel as if like, you know, we've cleared through our own backlog of trauma and emotions. And as we've done that, we've become more sensitive as a society to other people's uh, trauma and emotions and where they're coming from, where they're reacting from. Clearly not everybody, um, as I did touch on earlier, but it has been a theme for a lot of people. And then with Capricorn as the South Node too, since 2018, like, I guess the instability of our current work focus culture has really come to the surface a lot. So more, you know, Capricorn is that really hardworking, striving for things. That's one of the themes of Capricorn out of many. Um, And we've just had a lot more awareness. And so, I mean, the South Node is really what we're letting go of and reassessing and looking at where, where it's been unhealthy maybe in our society. So we've just had more awareness over the last couple of years of just how sick and stressed and lacking sleep we all are. Um, How often we're pressured to work, to put work, so Capricorn, before caring for ourselves, cancer. And I heard this recent um, survey survey result by an organisation called WorkSafe Uh, that something like 30% of young Australian people said in a job interview that, you know, they thought the job interview was real and the job interview was real, but the person interviewing had thrown this question in, like, for the survey's sake. Um, And so, yeah, these people answering thought they were at a real job interview, essentially. Um. Yeah, and they 30% said that they would be willing to deal with long hours, unsafe work conditions, and even abuse if they got the job. Um, yeah, so willing to completely disregard your own needs and safety in order to, you know, support yourself to work. Capricorn. And I've been there, like, I completely understand it's totally not that hard to comprehend when you think about like the world that we live in. Um, At the start of 2018, I worked at a hospitality job where I was getting emotionally bullied by my boss for a couple of months. Like it got pretty bad towards the end. Um, And then one day he actually pushed me, like it turned physical. And so I quit on the spot despite not knowing how I would pay rent the next month. Um, But fortunately it was just after I'd paid for paid rent like for that that month coming and so I just lived on my $800 or whatever it was it wasn't much that I had saved while I tried to find a new job and fortunately I did find one within three weeks but like I knew I had my family to fall back on um always like they've always said like my parents have said like we're always here so I was able to quick 
quit the toxic work environment that genuinely drove me right to the edge of breaking down. But not everybody has that kind of backup to be able to put their mental and physical safety, um, those cancer themes before their work Capricorns. So yes, the unhealthy Capricorn in our world has been unveiled there for all to see, but you know, if you're willing to look, that is, but still not a lot has been done about it. But that again, that's why we hold the vision for the world that we do want in our hearts. And I feel like these themes actually play really nicely into the transition of, you know, going into Gemini and Sagittarius themes of the eclipses coming up over the next year and a half, uh, because now the rise of the collective, our collective Gemini, um, it's really being put in the spotlight over the idea of having the one person saviour themes of the old world. Um, and that's the Sagittarius South node. Like I've spoken a lot about this, but this is one interesting way to think about it. So now we've seen just how broken the system is and how it doesn't protect, you know, doesn't, doesn't do the cancer things, doesn't protect a lot of our fellow human family. And the shift might move more and more and more into the collective or to the power of the people to do something about it, rather than just waiting and hoping that some politician who doesn't actually have that much power uh, will swoop in and change the polities to make safety and security and those basic human rights more evenly distributed. So right now we know there is a problem, but we feel powerless somewhat as individuals to do anything. And I feel like over the next couple of years, I can really see the formation of more and more groups and collectives that join together Gemini parts of us to create change. And maybe hopefully the path to create that change will become more obvious over this time because right now I just feel a bit like, well, what do we actually do? Um, Okay, so what else? Mercury retrograde is still in full swing up until the 12th of July. Uh, The 12th of July is when it will be stationing direct again. To be honest, I haven't even noticed any particular Mercury retrograde issues. I feel like the eclipses have given me more than enough to think about and deal with. What about, yeah, what about you guys? So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it is there running rampant that Mercury retrograde, but maybe now that Venus is direct again too, I'll start to feel it a bit more, but yes, Mercury retrograde in Cancer still, maybe this is the current review of how our emotions are clouding our rational thinking responses. You know, Cancer is that emotionality, whereas Mercury sort of feels a bit lost there because it is quite a rational thinking. This means this, um, way of looking at the world. Uh, and any retrograde, any retrograde, Mercury retrograde, um, can signify particular themes from the past coming back up. And in Cancer, it might be emotional themes from the past coming up, like maybe previously uncommunicated emotional themes, like things that you've been able to ignore in the past. Maybe you kind of are really seeing that. And now that I say that, um, I do actually have a good personal example of that now that I think about it in this particular way. So just this morning, I was on my daily morning walk 
and walk past a group of kids who, I mean, they must have been no older than 12 or 13, like they were young, Um, and they must have been on some kind of sleepover birthday party morning after walk, something like that. And as I walked past them, like genuinely my body froze up. Like I kept my head down because I was just waiting for them to say something mean to me or shout at me or make fun of my pants or, you know, call me ugly or whatever they were going to do. And, you know, I realized that still seeing a group of kids, 12 or 13 years old, genuinely still takes me emotionally back to high school and when seeing a group of teenagers meant being bullying bullied relentlessly like no matter how many years out of school that I've gotten I feel like I've been ignoring this for a long time but I guess right now I was like oh well it's time to deal with this like I don't want to be terrified of children anymore so you know something like that sounds like not a big deal but I guess if you got bullied in school you can probably relate to the sensation like my body genuinely freezes up I go into that ultra protective mode like my shoulders close over which is interesting, you know, genuinely creating that cancer crab shell around myself. And it's just a conditioned response to emotional stuff that happened years and years ago. But with the retrograde, like I get that chance to see clearly how it is impacting my life still, as silly as it can seem to, you know, my adult self to be scared of 12 year olds. Um, You probably think I'm crazy, but I'm sure you thought that already. Uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, probably time to deal with this. Um, yeah, I guess if we're just talking the basic Mercury retrograde stuff, I hope that I can get bookings for the camping trip, um, and just be careful to book the right campgrounds or whatever it is. Like these things really do, really can go a bit, uh, ski despite the best intentions during a Mercury retrograde. So fingers crossed. Uh, what else? So we have a new moon in Cancer um, and a non, non-eclipse non new moon in Cancer on the 20th of July. So this is the first lunation, which is the technical astro- astrological world for, you know, full of new moons, essentially. Um, but yeah, so it's the first one after the eclipse season. So hopefully it will... Um, Oh, and actually, like quite likely with Mercury retrograde being over too by this time, like hopefully it will just feel a lot more cozy than the last few full and new moons. Like, honestly, I don't know if I can take much more. Like, can we just agree right here and now to just have a classic cancer theme new moon? Like, can we decide that? Do we have that power? I don't want the intensity just for one day. Like, I just want to light a candle, do a massive clean of the house um, because cancer is connected to the home. And, you know, new moon wants some kind of freshness. So cleaning out your house would be a really good practice during this new moon. Like, you know, maybe I want to clean my home body too and do like an Epsom salt bath. Albeit now that I'd, since I moved a couple of months ago, I'd have to borrow somebody else's bath, um, which is less than ideal. But at least like just a warm, cozy shower with maybe some lavender oil. Um, and then get in my jammies, watch a cheesy love movie like a Cinderella story and just cry with joy when Austin leaves the football game to kiss Sam and that song plays and the drought ends all at once. Ah, so beautiful. And then just have a like really, really long sleep, you know, curl up in a sweet little ball in bed and just feel safe and cozy. Like I just want 
a, cl- a classic Cancer new moon. I'll petition the universe for it as we speak. All right, so this feels like a cheesy and good place to leave it. Um, you know, I, I like to chat about these things as they come up through the month anyway on the podcast. So love you lots. If you do enjoy this podcast, go on and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. So easy and means the world. Um, otherwise, have a lovely week, angels, and I will talk to you next week.